HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Comté-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're bringing you four stories about lost and found culinary treasures. We are searching for what will be lost, and we're trying to rejuvenate it. What we try to do is collect these sourdoughs that contribute to the biodiversity of sourdough in order to store them, to document them, and be able to preserve them for the future. It's bringing back the history and just being part of that time that just... It's, there's nothing like it. You know, there's there's nothing like it. When fame comes late, uh, I'm sure it's just as sweet as when it comes earlier. Tune in to this week's episode of Meat and Three. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Elena Santagade. My guest today is Kara Warren, the East Coast Sales Manager for Isigny Saint-Mer. Saint-Mer. Kara, did I say it right? You, you did pretty good. Okay, I did okay. Yeah. I'll give it a B. Yeah. So Kara's career in cheese began in 2005. Correct. Okay. And two culminating events this past week prompted me to ask Kara to join me in the studio today. First, the Cheeses of Europe kicked off a unique campaign last week with an interactive beer and fromage event at, surprisingly, Three's Brewery. Beer, people, not wine. It was a full-on launch and so well executed. We'll talk more about that throughout today's show. On the same day, Vice Munchies published an article titled, Meet the Lesbian Cheesemongers of the LGBTQ Community, featuring Kara along with a small group of lesbian and non-binary cheese professionals. The article shed some light on the inclusive, supportive community of lesbians within the cheese industry, and Kara also had some amazing quotes. When asked for her take on the queerest cheese, Kara chose Mimolet with its, quote, fantastic, over-the-top rind and weird shape. I'm excited to learn more about Kara and her journey throughout the cheese industry. And listeners, I hope you are too. Kara, welcome back to Cutting the Curd. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is like the greatest, funnest thing to ever do all the time with you. You know, like <laughs> this so is so true. We're just <laughs> chat. We're going to chat. We're here at Roberta's. We're going to, and listeners, we are having pizza delivered to the studio mid show. Yes. So, um, you're going to get maybe to hear that happen. <laughs> me being more over the top. Excellent. <laughs> so Kara, 2005, you've been in cheese for a while. Oh my God. Yeah. It you're, goes and fast. you're still a spring chicken here. So it's like, it's not like this was career number two or three for you. Tell us a little bit about your early days. How did you get started in cheese? Yeah. So no one wakes up and says, Hey, I'm going to be a cheesemonger today. I know. I keep <laughs> waiting to meet that person. It might happen. Future generations. But... I know the millennials or yeah, whatever yeah. the generation is called now. Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> um, no, I went to um, city tech in Brooklyn. I, I didn't mm-hmm. have the grades that like most restaurant people to go on to an Ivy league. So um, yeah, I, my parents said, you got to stay in the city. You take mm-hmm. hospitality management. We're not paying for Johnson and Wales. <laughs> and uh They were right. And I think it was learning the ropes there. And then afterwards, getting my first job, my dad was like, you like Mm -hmm. cheese, try out for Murray's. And I was like, um, I I like, so your dad suggested it. He saw it somewhere. It could have been like a New York times classified Mm -hmm. ad knowing him or Mm -hmm. something. And, um, he was like, you like mozzarella. I was like, yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, actually. And so then I, I sent in an email to them. Sarah Sabrowski interviewed me, mm-hmm. um, and I got the gig, and that's where wow. I first started cheesemongering, and it was like um, the who's who of cheese people. I mean, yeah, you came up at a great time. I was in a good vintage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh five to oh seven years. Oh yeah, very good. So I mean, if you if you do the name the shout outs, I mean, Will Whitlow was a manager. Tim mm-hmm. Solomon was a manager. Mm-hmm. Frankie was running upstairs. Um, Ciela was doing his thing. You know, mm-hmm. Liz Thorpe was doing wholesale. Uh, you know, that Chris Munsey was there nor sing. I mean, there was a whole it's bunch like a of people. cast of characters who've all gone. Amy Sisty. Uh-huh. I mean, my God, yeah. I can't. Diane. Have I, gone on to do amazing things. I mean, just but, a lot. Of, I mean, there's just Anne Saxelby was leaving hmm. just as I was coming in. OK. Yeah. So wow. it's like a full circle here. And at that point, did you have any idea what you were getting into? I mean, when you if you studied hospitality management, was your expectation that you might go into more hotels, restaurants, like what was the kind of trajectory you had in mind? Totally fair. I had started doing some prep cook stuff in the Mm. summer and back of the house. Yeah. I went to Chelsea Piers into the catering and they gave me like, I don't know how many pounds of lobster to break down. (laughs) You were like, maybe not. And I was like tamales everywhere. And I was like, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> and I really like cheese and I like talking to people. Mm. I'm, I'm a social animal. Mm-hmm. So I was yes. like, you know, I'm not good. I don't want to be hidden in the back there. Yeah. And just uh, quietly doing a task for 10 hours straight. And yeah. And I never felt like the type of person to be that professional server at a four store restaurant yet. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have that, that polish yet. Mm. So then like being at a cheese counter, and learning all these cool stories and just like loving cheese anyway, like trying every cheese, mm-hmm. I it, it stuck with me. Mm. And then I was so good at it. I guess I got enough uh, confidence build up with it that I, mm. I I stuck with. It. I mean, I went to head of receiving, and then I was an assistant manager at Murray's. Right. And then I, you know, after a while, there's a little bit of a, a burnout, so I took a break. Um, but that's when I. Yeah. I mean, even at a burnout period, I still did a season at at stinky Brooklyn for Christmas. Like, <laughs> like I got to go back for the fourth I, I quarter. Still, well, and I needed cheese and I needed charcuterie and you mm. know how that is. You, you know, yeah. Get a little discount, work some shifts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what do you think? So in those early years, what caused the burnout? 
You know, um, you're helping customers and sometimes, you know, it's bad when you start recommending the same cheeses over and over. You're not feeling oh, when the... you like lose your creativity. Yeah, you don't have like that connection with the person. Like I mm. used to deal with a person where it'd be like um, a therapist appointment. Mm. I would really look, try to look into their soul and match right. the cheese they were looking for. I wouldn't just be like, oh, I love this or this is getting pushed or whatever. Right. I never, I, I will admit I was the worst at the push list. I mean, unless yeah. there was a contest that means for you it. Were, yeah, that means you're a customer <laughs> advocate. If you're bad yeah. at the push list, it usually means you're great for the customers. It's, it's, exactly. <laughs> I was like, this is slamming right now. You got to eat this. It just you know? came in. Yeah, yeah. It just came in. It's we hardly fresh. have any. I know. <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was not the other person. So, um, yeah. So you found yourself kind of losing uh, losing the spark a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think I needed to learn more. There were more layers to the business that I hadn't experienced yet. Um, hmm. Assistant management was short at Murray's um, before I needed to change up gears anyway. So um, my next move was Choice Green a few mm-hmm. years later. And that's interesting because yeah. so Choice Green no longer... Uh, not around. in business anymore. Not in business, but no. Choice Green was a little neighborhood shop, Clinton Hill. Mm-hmm. For, well, Fort Green, I guess. Yeah, Clinton Hill, right Fort Green. Right on the edge of yeah, Green. Exactly. Clinton Hill, Fort Green. Yep. Um, and they had, different from Murray's, they had a little bit of, did they have produce? They did have produce. They did it all, yeah. They did produce. They had a fish they counter. Had, he even, found a Japanese a guy counter. to run the, the yeah, wow. like a, really, he used to work at Blue Ribbon, I think, kept. Uh, Katsu. Um, but, I remember yeah. they had bulk like laundry detergent before oh, anybody yeah. had that. Well, it was owned by a French guy. Hmm. And so he had a lot of European principles. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will say his sense of uh, woodwork and interior. He was very good at making the place look a certain way and have this certain ambiance. It looked like a village, like a almost like a cottage shop. Totally. But because, in the middle of Brooklyn. And it, it was in a basement. So it had that feeling. Yeah. And then this it had this remarkable yard. Mm-hmm. So um, and then you load in like an ultimate cheese case. Right. And it was like actually the best thing ever. It's just in terms of making money and Mm. thinking smart about POS and that next level of business. Right. It just wasn't wasn't instituted. And it's like, that's the part that's always missing in some of these smaller shops where Mm. you're like, Oh yeah. Fluidity. That means something in a store. (laughs) I I, want to move more than five customers in a few minutes. All right. (laughs) Like Like actual volume of sales and stuff. Right. Mm. You know, so it was, it was so close, but, it just, yeah. It was a really charming shop. Yeah. And you were the manager there? Or I was you the GM. Ran? Oh, wow. I was the first, uh, I feel like I'm like the starter kid in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And then I eventually realized I'm not going to be around for this, but mm-hmm. I want to grow something else. I can similar, relate to this. I was just going to say jinx, similar to you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did my nine months of time at Choice Green and then mm-hmm. um, it was a mutual parting and um, I decided I'm going to go back to Brooklyn College. I never finished a four-year degree. Huh. I had only done two years at, at, at City Tech. At City Tech. Cool. Yeah. So it was like, okay, let and me get my life. Yeah. Well, like, more well-rounded now. Did yeah. you, at that point, going back to school, was cheese on your radar as a more longer-term career, or were you thinking of other topics? Like, what what were you thinking? I, I was ready to divorce cheese. I was mm-hmm. done. I said, this is it. There's no money in it. My parents had told me there's not enough money in it. Mm-hmm. Your dad's kicking himself for he, nudging you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, well, he actually, he was sweet. Sometimes he'd be like, well, you can open a small shop, but not in New York City. <laughs> like, Smart. Yeah, yeah. It's typical American Jewish father mm-hmm. talks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I went to Brooklyn College for radio and television. Uh-huh. And I was thinking, okay, media, maybe there was a vlog. Who knows? I mean, this is, we're talking 2010. Like 2010. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, things were happening. It's like yeah. blogs were happening at that, like in full force. Yeah. And 
Yeah, podcasts were just starting. I was ready to switch it up. I mm. was I was looking for another advantage. So um, I did that. I went to a wine store. I totally left cheese. I, I was like, maybe. So you worked in wine. I did. I mm-hmm. worked, of all the places, I worked at Sutton Place. Sutton uh-huh. Wine Shop, 57th and 1st. Whoa. Which was really interesting because I learned how the wealthy spend their money on Seriously. wine and liquor. Sutton Place is such an interesting neighborhood. Listeners, yes. um, for those of you in New York or are able to visit New York at some point, it is worth a little jaunt to go see this tiny, po- it's like a pocket community over there. It's over the FDR, Correct. right? It's like, it almost like has a hangover of the FDR. Yes. It's a th- two blocks technically or three, maybe like five blocks. Yes. I don't really know. Um, right on the edge of the, the Upper East Side, mm-hmm. the beginnings of the Upper East Side. Ideal cheese is right there. That's correct. Yeah, that was a neighboring cheese shop. I finally mm. learned about that place. Um, it was very cool. Yeah. But I think um, for me, it was like exposure to another mm. New York City. Totally. I mean, it's all doormen. Mm-hmm. Um, magnums of certain things get delivered every day to these oh people. Gosh. There's um, the tips for one bottle of wine. One bottle could be like 80 to 100 bucks for this guy on one day, and he'll tip you 10 bucks at the door. For wow. me, I was like, oh, this is the life. You're like, I'm, I, I did cashed a, in. I did a five-minute walk, and I got a $10 <laughs> tip. Who needs cheese? Um, but, uh, no, it was it was a very interesting window, and um, even you don't walk through the, the entrance, you know. You, oh, you go, you go through the side door you were to make an, a service place You had to go through the service <sighs> entrance. Wow. So when I would walk in, you know, uh, I'm a white lady, Brooklyn Jewish. They didn't say anything sometimes, but mm. after a while, they started to realize they oh, got wise to this you. is a delivery girl. This is a worker. Holy crap. And uh, then I, I got told to walk around the side. Wow. <laughs> so then I was put in my place. I was like, oh, okay. Now, I was that it. a community? Um, you know, it's a very different place from the Brooklyn that you grew up in. Absolutely. And it w- was it a community that you had any exposure to before then in any way? You know, slightly. Growing yeah. up around New York City, you kind of get whiffs of it. Yeah, like you go to school with someone who's uh, like totally involved. I, I went to LaGuardia High School. I, I went, uh, it's an arts fame high school. Mm-hmm. Um, there were daughters of playwrights and oh, yeah. certain people Mm-hmm. Or, or dif- different places, you end up going to some kid's house after school and you see, like, oh my God, you have heated tiles? <laughs> what kind of land is this that you live in? Where am I? Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, another side. So after, so that was the wine side. And I actually, that was the best way to learn about wine. I say, everyone's right. like, how did you learn about wine? Well, I just worked in a shop for two years right. and got to taste it all the time. I think that's the same thing with cheese. Totally. The it, exposure to just daily tasting, talking, little tidbits you get to overhear. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's the way you can really, uh, I don't know what the term is exactly, but like profile, memory profile, certain things. like, And that's why I love being like a foodie taster now. And I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty decent at pairings is because I've really yes. memorized the hell out of things. Right. And, and I don't, I'll look at some things online, how they should be paired. But I do think it's like, Use your intuition. Use your, your memory mm, to yeah. do it. Don't just play by those rules. You well, know? That, that takes me to the amazing pairings that you designed for the um, interactive uh, beer and fromage event at Three's Brewing last week. Kara uh, designed these beer and cheese pairings that were really amazing. It, the event was at Three's Brewery, but um, there were six different local brewers yes. whose beers... Kara paired with six different French cheeses. Yeah, it is wild. It was wild. It was also a very speedy tasting that we did, which was <laughs> had a lot of energy to it, which yes. I enjoyed. Um, 
My favorite of the pairings was the triple cream and the goza. Really? The key lime pie flavor, It tasted so much like key lime pie. Also sort of like a salt bagel, which is not my top bagel choice, but I found it very satisfying in liquid form. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved that pairing. It was so refreshing. But I, I didn't expect that. I'll be honest. Yeah. I you, what, you would have pegged me f- for I, choosing a different one. I, I thought maybe you liked the Mimolet and the Doppelbach. Now that was cool. Cause that, I thought I heard you talk about that, but that's it only would, the re- only reason why I assume it was, that was a close second. Okay, good. I think I'm leaning toward the triple cream and goes because I am ready for spring. Oh yeah, sure. And that was more of like refreshing. Hells yes. It's about that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was 70 degrees in New York and it was weird, but it was great. Yeah. Weird yeah. good people. Weird good. Um, yeah. How did you learn about beer? Because those pairings all, I mean, each one worked in a major way. There was no dud on that right. selection. And I'm also curious. So I'm curious how you learned about beer. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious uh, what your favorite of those pairings was. Okay. So, well, I'll start with my favorite. Okay. My favorite was shockingly um, the Blue Duvern. Uh, with the Pilsner. With the Pilsner. It was delicious. Because it was like, um, again, that like light blue, acidic, salty thing going on. And mm-hmm. then with the clash of the Pilsner, mm. I think it was a German style Pilsner yeah. too. Yeah. So, so it was a little more complex than the like yeah. everyday Pilsner. It just hit it right. And it was the end pairing, which after a Mimolet and Doppelbach, I thought would be absurd. Yeah. I was like, we're not going to taste anything here. Right. I thought but. it would be a wash, but then it actually was like a very delicate, like yeah. swan swimming mm-hmm. across a lake type move. It, it totally <laughs> held its own. I was like, this is amazing. So not to toot my own horn too much, but no, I, but I no, liked I'll it. I'll toot it. I'm tooting it. Wah, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes. Uh, oh, and so then how did I learn to, to try and do these great beer pairings? Um, yeah. Well, I think it's actually just from drinking beer. And the week before, <laughs> I I had to write about these things. Mm-hmm. So, and I had a In preparation class. for the event. Yeah, yeah, and I was doing a, teaching a class at the French Cheese Board. Uh-huh. So instead of doing um, a wine version, which, and I switched it to beer, and I bought, now they weren't the exact beers, but mm-hmm. I mean also, and I've had a few of these beers in between sometimes at other events. Um, I like was like, okay, this is this, this is going to, like, I know Finbeck. It's going to be like IPA hoppy. Right, right. And then the KCBC, I had um, Iceberg Zombie, which is like the best effing name ever for yes. for yes. a freaking sour beer, actually. Mm-hmm. This wasn't the Goza, but still it was that tartness. Right. So like, I think ultimately like just again, what I think everyone should do when they do pairings, don't guess it, just like actually taste. Right. Try to and, do and it. And use your actually. imagination. Hmm. I like to think I have a huge imagination. Yes. Your creativity was on full display i think it's a stereotype of gay people that, <laughs> and i'm living up to it so which is great <laughs> live up to it yes fly that flag i uh, probably yes all right well on that note we're gonna <laughs> have to we're gonna have to take our break here but uh that's gonna bring us in very nicely to talk about this amazing vice munchies article in the second half of our show listeners we'll be right back This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, 
ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conte. Conte takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conte is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conte is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Lisa Held, and I'm the host of The Farm Report here on HRN. The Farm Report is a show about the people, processes, and policies that shape how food is produced today. Expect from the field insights as guests explore how producing fresh, delicious food relates to environmental and community sustainability, justice, and better health. You can find The Farm Report wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm Elena Santigade, and I'm here with Kara Warren of Isigny Saint-Mer. And listeners, you're probably going to notice, but we're eating pizza now. <laughs> we're eating pizza during the show, and that's the beauty of doing a show at Roberta's. So right when we left off, Kara was waving her creativity-filled lesbian flag. <laughs> That, that, is that, a, that was a good stopping it point. It was a great stopping point. I Holy mean, crap. Especially given the fact that you are the runaway star of this Vice Munchies article. Oh my God. There's so many great women who should have been in that though. Holy yeah. cow. You know, I was surprised actually at like the small number because I think that community is just so strong and, and much larger than what was even portrayed in the article. Oh my God. Yes. I read it and I was like, whoa, why am I so important in here? This is ridiculous. It was really, really great. And I'm curious, you know, your experience is so unique in that you really have been on mostly a cheese track since you were, you know, of working age. 19. I jumped in at 19. Wow. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) Anyway. That's pretty, that's pretty nuts. That's I pretty could great. not drink when I was on the, well, I could, but like I'm a low. <laughs> yeah. But so here's my question. And I don't know, maybe it's not the right question because, um, your background is so sort of cheese filled, mm. but I was curious, like in your bouts of time away from cheese, did you find like being, when you stepped away those couple of times as you've grown in your career, did you find that you, that gave some perspective to how inclusive or supportive the cheese community was? Oh yeah. Really? Actually, that's a great, that's a really good point. Mm. Um, Yeah. I mean, I saw in the wine business in the two years I did at Sutton Place, mm-hmm. um, it was mostly men. Hmm. In the wine industry, is mostly men. Yeah. Uh, there was a few ladies I would see doing the jobs, but it wasn't like, I don't know, the industry folk that I me- met through Cheese, mm-hmm. it was a lot of strong women. Yeah. And, and, it, then, and, and then, a lot of levels, too. Yeah. And then the cheesemongers and then just seeing them in educational ways as well and wholesale programs, I think, um, management... Yeah, I was like, oh, this is, I can connect with these people, this you know? This is really, there's a big female, female dominant sort of yeah. presence. 
and I, I guess it just all kind of it made me comfortable enough to be my feel you know to be myself and I don't think that's true of every industry you know right I'm certainly sure not as, of every workplace I yeah, mean as people are evolving they hear the whispers as Oprah says right like where <laughs> they should be right and I think for me um like again I was ready to leave cheese but then uh, there was a point where um when I was doing the TV radio that I was like, okay, um, I gave up the, the wine thing and I was like, okay, well I need to make money again. I'm mm-hmm. good at cheese. I right. like cheese. I kind of miss it. Mm. Let me go back to this thing. And did you go back while you were still in school? That's what I did. Hmm. So I went to green grape provisions just to be a monger. Okay. I said, I will never be a ma- buyer here. Oh, I will never be a manager here. <laughs> I only want to serve the cheese. I want to be part-time. I want to be carefree. I know, <laughs> I know nothing about anything else, but to just serve a piece of cheese. And how long did your stint then there last? I think it was like four or five months. <laughs> where, where until, I, until I got into until the... Until you were... Yeah, yeah. Until... Uh, full-fledged. Until somebody... And it was actually... It was a really crazy thing. One person left and it was given to another person because I was... I don't want responsibility. I didn't want that responsibility. Right. And it was given to another person who actually owns a cheese shop, Anais, who's an amazing woman, mm. who owns a uh, cheese shop? shop in Pittsburgh, Chantal. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. Super cool place. Um... And she took the gig, but then she had a family situation. She had to leave. Mm. So then they were like, well, you're, Come the last, on. you're the last guy left here. <laughs> uh, and this other guy was definitely not going to do it. He mm-hmm. was like DJing at night. So I guess it was me. It was you. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then I, I stayed on at Green Grape for like three plus years yeah. and loved every day there. I, I genuinely, it was like the funnest job for me. Yeah. You were really in your element in that setting. You know, you, and, and it's interesting, you know, we talked about your experience at Choice Green. I would say Green Grape, a little less European, a little more of an American concept, but yes. just as neighborhoody, if not more. Oh, super neighborhoody. And much higher volume. Oh my God. And that's what I love. So it was like, I could, mm. I had all the autonomy and could curate anything I wanted in the case. It could be any price point, any mm. level. But for me, I mean, I go low to high. It's, it's more just just what makes the best cheese case, in my mm. opinion. Um, I wasn't doing just artisanal American. I had the classic Europeans and artisanal American, and it just was a great balance of everything. Yeah. Um, and it was great because it was a full educational program for the mongers that then got to work under me and who mm. are still working in cheese or have at least taken the the passion for it with them. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was great. Um, the only thing I think that made me get out of there was um, I, I needed to get out of retail to have – a life that that life you know <laughs> to, to grow to grow to the next level and um yeah. i literally told two people on mm-hmm. the low like hey i'm thinking about switching the game mm-hmm. two days later wow i got a call from me signy wow yeah i was not on the market very long it was no. the weirdest craziest thing i remember it was very abrupt not abrupt, but, but like, just that you got snatched up quick it was a quick snatch yeah i was oh okay <laughs> so Back to that idea of like choosing life or whatever. Mm, yes. Would you say it's it was more of a time choice, effort, money? Like what fact? What what was the biggest factor in that shift for you? And or you know at that Absolutely. point you had if you had been in these supportive communities had kind of come into your own mm-hmm. had sort of you know in the article you met you mentioned that you had sort of. Consider yourself by mm-hmm. in the beginning of your cheese oh, yeah. time, but then as you got more comfortable with yourself, had sort of shed that. Yeah. Um, so That's what true. were the, you know, were these all factors in that moment of well, leaving? Retail? I will say Green Grape Provisions, if anyone has been there, they'll notice it right away. It is probably, it's, 
it should be like in California. It is the queerest freaking place <laughs> to walk into. It's like a Trader Joe's. There's like trans people. There's awesome. there's like every type of gay person there. And it's amazing. And, yeah. And, and so um, it's very well balanced in that way. Mm. Um, was it that way when you were there? Yeah. And, and did was. you feel like, was that like the, the place where you kind of really settled in? I think it was the first time where I was like, I'm going to hang out in Brooklyn. I'm not going to the city as much mm. to meet people. And, mm-hmm. or, or I will go to Cubby Hole because that's like the only watering hole for lesbians in New York City. But, um, <laughs> I mean, next career, open another one. <laughs> you know how well it would do? Yeah. Insane. Hmm. RIP Caddyshack, you know? Mm. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, but um, <laughs> if I could do a funeral dirge, I would. Do. Yeah, you need organ music. Um, back, back to what we were saying. I'm sorry. Okay. We, I got off the beat. Um, so <laughs> inclus- inclusive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, inclusive a rainbow. Grape, right? A rainbow staff at Green Grape. Right. Right. So yeah. Oh, so like yeah. That that made me feel like I can be myself, and and I think that was uh, it. Sort of helped me evolve in in that way to. To seeing the Brooklyn, the hipster Brooklyn, and getting out to that stuff into mm-hmm. into the gay world and, and feeling more myself. But the cheese world also was evolving. I mean, uh, now as thirty uh, something, you know, most of my friends are women or gay women, and a big chunk of them work in cheese. Mm, right. <laughs> so totally. It, it's kind of like where your friends fall, you kind of follow. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know? um, yeah and it's such a supportive community too i mean the fact that you got that phone call two days after putting sort of whispering out in the world that you wanted to make a change but i I will say um isigny sommer is the polar opposite of that it Mm is um a fantastic isigny usa is a fantastic company and uh normandy but if you look at the demographics of isigny and normandy yeah it it is mostly men well very traditionally you know traditional french old old school kind of like history right. in the company. There's no the TGV out there. It's like <laughs> the random, it's like a Vermont, Wisconsin of uh, mm. France. It's, it's, it's a marshland yeah. with a lot of Norman cows. <laughs> and so not much change coming to Normandy. No, I mean, I mean, when you're looking for that fun time out, it's, it's a quiet <laughs> land. So I make the best of it. Yeah. I roll some Mimolette around. Um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So, but I, but then I'm, I was happily surprised. I had an idea. And this is where Isigny and um, my boss, Benoit, and Tom, the marketing guy, are amazing. They, I said, why don't we do a tote bag for mm. Gay Pride? Because mm. there was um, a fancy food show timing. Yeah, where it, was it was right. It was like the same weekend or you something. Know, you know, it's like the curse of all curses with the fancy food show. <laughs> that Gay Pride and fancy food are at like, the same uh, time. But they finally changed it the last few years. So, oh, yay. Yeah. Yay, yay, gay people. We have it. Yeah, um, you can have your own weekend. I mean, how much of that industry is that? And then we can't go. It's, yeah. like, a, it's like a big tease. It's it's like worse. It's like a something worse than a tease. It's... <laughs> It's just heartbreaking. It, it, it's funny. Um, I, I think of it in a comedic way. But okay. anyway, the tote bag was outstanding. It had the Isigny logo mm-hmm. with a rainbow flag behind it and it said, we have pride in our cheese makers. Awesome. And I was like, wow, they took my idea and they did this and it was a prideful thing. Mm. And again, this is a traditional Normandy dairy cooperative. Right. Like, whoa, okay. This so is cool. Great. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, you're taking that sort of spirit of like, let's just be ourselves and bringing it you know, overseas now. So I, I think it's a combination of like being embraced by, for who I am, by mm-hmm. my work, mm-hmm. um, Huge. having women and cheese as a solid foundation. Whenever I felt 
a little bit off and then went to a women in cheese i was like my confidence is back this is great oh that's so nice you know like listeners women in cheese has been an unofficial organization that i have also unofficially organized for the last i think it's five years but for some reason i don't know it goes in a flash i know so um and it's just a, a a casual gathering of women that's what it has been here in new york in the cheese industry but like the inside power players of cheese which i it's really true. which i really really like i'm well, like hey also, we can really commiserate but also be like hey are you doing this what are you doing? yeah let's work on this together like, i got a deal for you what mm-hmm. do you want to do <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah and having groups like that i think for any for any identity group it's just huge to be able to connect with people who uh, are on the same you know, sort of experiencing the same stuff on some level or with some topic. Exactly. I mean, I even, I think when I've been to Vermont and I've met women cheese, I mean, that's a whole other segue too. the women cheese makers, oh, yeah. the young women cheese, the older, it, everyone. It's like, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, Sam Frank introduced me to that whole group there. And, and now I think Kate's uh, Orbweaver, is that who, mm-hmm. is she? I mean, the nicest people. And just, you can see they're like changing the world and it's kind of inspiring. You're yeah. like, Oh, the, yeah, that's why I'm in this business. Like, it's, uh, people right. are doing some pretty cool stuff, you know? Totally. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was, it's funny. Back to the, the Vice thing and ESIGD. It, and, and the, the, the week I had, this was like a crazy week. Yeah. I was like, what, a, what a happened lot of there? excitement. When it rained, when it rained supports, you know, <laughs> I was like, no, wait, wait, what? <laughs> oh, You're okay. Like, on the day of the event, of the yes. Threes Brewing event, My. then the, the, article comes out yeah yeah it's great so here's a question at this point in your career you've jumped over to sales role you know regional sales role right east coast sales with Um, a bit of the midwest and the twist uh uh-huh yeah dabbling in the midwest a little midwest twist uh do you see you know one thing that i think is really interesting is like you being a born and bred new yorker brooklyn you know the city like the back of your hand you know like you understand the context not just the right now but also the context in which new york is it exists and i think that's so unique yeah um now that you're out there and like traveling more and seeing the cheese industry in these different regions have you noticed is the spirit of inclusiveness of supportive uh you know environments is it blanket you know awesome are there types of shops and types of businesses where you see a better environment than others like what what what's your take on yeah, absolutely. The there world. are some places that uh, that I have been surprised, and I'm like, this is an amazing store. I wish there was one of these. Mm. I went to Marblehead, Massachusetts, okay. and I found Shoebies. Shoebies. Have you ever heard of Shoebies? I have never been to Shoebies. Shoebies is freaking awesome. Oh, my gosh. Okay, and listeners, we'll do a little link in our show notes on Shoebies so you can check it yeah, out. Yeah, I love that place. And um, What do you love about it? It's a neighborhood place with very high quality everything. Mm. Um, they have wine, beer, everything. The fa- it's family owned. Um, they recommend the greatest places to you to go to around the town. Mm. But like, it's just everything has intent for being there, and uh, and you just intentional. That's a great. You know, it's aspect. not. Um, and the food is delicious. It's just very, and it's very clean. Mm. You know, there's so many places now that I go to that are for mass appeal. Right. And I think they have a purpose and I get it and and they're doing a great job. But I, you know, sometimes when you get a specialty store that's really 
like on point. Yeah, it's so refreshing. It feels good. It <laughs> just, you feel, you walk in and you're like, oh my God, this is the thing I would have loved to have created. Right. You know, like right. once in a while you get one of those and you're like, okay. But I mean, yeah, every, every um, town has a different vibe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some people are not, so in New York, you know, it's a little more, you, you speak pretty forward to people. <laughs> yes. I think Boston has the same feel, but it's, uh, it's also a little bit different. It's like a, it's a variation of it, you know? Mm. So, I mean, I guess it, it, there's all these, I mean, sales repping on the road. Uh, there's a funny way about it in the cheese industry. Mm-hmm. And I think once you, you get into it, you, you, you love it or hate it, but there's, there's a feeling to it that I cannot just, des- I just can't describe. And I mean, maybe on the low, we can all have these conversations. <laughs> maybe it's not meant for radio. No. That's all. <laughs> I'll leave that at that. Yes. Um, okay. I can't believe it, but we're getting near the end of our show time here. I have two final questions for you. Oh my you. God, no. I know. I can't believe it. Uh, okay. First question. This is sort of a question I've started asking most guests, just because I feel like even for well-seasoned cheese professionals, it's always great to hear advice. Like you're never too old. You're never too ingrained in a community, uh, to be open-minded about advice. So, um, what advice would you give for folks who are new to the cheese scene or who have been around and maybe reaching that burnout point? Um, and you know, queer community or otherwise. Yeah. I think, uh, number one, go to, a a group meetup like women and cheese mm-hmm. or start maybe or start, start your or own. start your own chapter if there's not one near you it's it's uh it's very refreshing you're not alone you're not weird mm-hmm. there is um a lot of purpose to what you're doing and maybe you're not making the money right now but um you can grow into it and when you follow your passion as oprah says i think <laughs> the second oprah reference of i don't the show, know which I i'm loving I, I think the she, more oprah references she's doing all right yeah you know if you follow your passion it's gonna work out mm. um so i i say stick to it and then always always read the cheese books like mm. i went i was reading one the other day to go over some facts yep. that i like wasn't sure about yep you know yeah that never gets old and i think no. it's like even when you've been in it I mean, I've written a cheese book and I still consult cheese books a lot. Oh my God. And when I conmarried my book collection, no cheese books left the home. Good. So I do think I'm, I'm big on on that. I am surprised about that because I thought Elena cleaned her entire house out. So bravo. I basically did, except for <laughs> cheese books. Bravo. And beer and wine. I have oh, a yeah. reference library. You, you gotta you have need one. To. You need to. You really do need to find those facts. And it's funny because I think online um, everything is kind of mm. not organized properly or you don't see who it was written by or it was copy pasted by some other odd article. Or, or it's, it's just wrong. Or it's a poor translation from some mm-hmm. language and it just never got corrected, which yeah. is unfortunately the case in a lot of cheese writing online. It's so true. look to the old master books and... Um, Totally. I'm with you on that. Yeah, that's the the best advice. And then commiserate or celebrate with other cheesemongers. I like that. Yeah. Okay, final question. Sure. For, let's say you have a less adventurous, cheese shy, we could say, cheese shy friend or family member. Ah, okay. What cheese would you recommend that they try to get a little bit out of their comfort zone? To get out of their comfort zone? Just a little bit. Just enough. Oh, can I, can I 
say one of my cheeses. Of but course. I, you know. Of course. Because I'm really proud of it, actually. The Signy Camembert is really great. Uh-huh. It has a geotrichum mold. You tried it's it the other day. It's got a lot day. of flavor. I it's, mean, there's a lot going on. It's a new... It's a new twist on the camembert in that it it's actually going for this authentic cheesy thing. It's not a mass produced thing. So hmm. it, it's the geotrichum nutty yeasty flavors I, with the little bit of the lactic going on. Mm-hmm. And then you get a little bit of that sort of vegetal cabbagey note. Right. It's great. It was a great cheese. And what pair, what did you pair with that? What beer was with the camembert? That was with the transmitter hibiscus oh, wheat beer. hibiscus wheat. And that wheat beer is like wheat, major on the wheat. Yes. Which went super well with the geotrichum, I thought. Yeah. yeah. So I think, if, again, like someone who's just kind of nestling into cheese mm-hmm. would need like a slight funk. Like if you give them a whiff, they'd be like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> but then if they eat it, it's, you know, milder and delicious. Totally. Yeah. Great suggestion. Thank you. Wow. Well, Kara, thank you so much for joining me in the studio today. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I love this. This was really fun. And now, listeners, we're going to go finish our pizza here. Um, listeners, we, we do hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please keep the conversation going with feedback, impressions, and ideas. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Cutting the Curd or shoot us an email at Cutting the Curd at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with more Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com backslash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>